0: I got millions of buckets to choose from, sweetheart. So you ain't stopping what's going on with me. So if you gonna act up, I'm about to up. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business, but mine with me, Cara Berry, our pop culture roundup, plus our, and just like that, recap. I'm going to give you guys a heads up. I'm going to go out of town. I will probably put up a Patreon episode for Monday's episode instead of our regularly scheduled, so heads up on that and um yeah let's get into what's happening this week um starting with golly I don't even know what to start with. I mean maybe we should start with our girl of the week and it's two girls and they live under the same roof and share the same last name and those people are Kim and Croy, Zolsiak Beerman and Beerman respectively y'all they're not getting divorced anymore. Apparently, Kim filed paperwork to dismiss the divorce from Croy. Croy is going to be doing the same if he hasn't already. Um, it has been just two months of absolute heartbreak and terror. And I'm so glad that America's fabric is being sewn back together by this couple and whatever happened. But, like, you guys... (laughs) I can't do anything but laugh because, like, really, let's get into what this year has been like for them just very, very quickly. February, we're finding out. Well, I mean, we can go back to, like, late last year. Their house is rumored to be going into foreclosure. And then Kim's like, fuck you guys. It's never going to happen. And it didn't. And then February, the rumors were rumors, and... They were officially listed online as having their house going into foreclosure, right? And then still, the girls are at the airport saying, watch and see what happens. And then, for miracle of miracles, they're still somehow in that house. There are rumors that maybe Jason Aldean, I guess they're good friends, and maybe he helped kick a couple dollars over to uh, whoever you do in this situation. I don't know. That's just what the streets said. Anyway... Things were kind of, like, bubbling along until May, when Croy files for divorce. He listed their separation as April 30th, and he also claimed at the time that their marriage was irretrievably broken. Since then, the mud has been slinging back and forth, and the the cow patties have been getting bigger and bigger, so for them, (laughs) y'all... (laughs) <laughs> okay, Cam uh, filed a motion on May 16th, saying, "I want this man to be drug tested because he smokes weed. I don't want him to have to be able to cut his hair until this. He has to submit to like some sort of five-panel um, drug test. I'm fearful of the children that he's going to be ex- the, exposing them to his weed or whatever, and blah blah blah. And then Croy is like." okay, I got you and I'll raise you too. Um, I'm gonna file paperwork that I get full custody because, uh, I think Kim needs to undergo psychological testing. I think that she has, uh, engaged in increasingly accelerating troubling behavior over the past five months which is why I've, um, why I filed for first place. And I think she's got a gambling problem. And I think because of that, she's properly care for the children. Now, um, I think I'm going to put my two cents in here Uh, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, a tweet had resurfaced from, uh, Brielle, the oldest daughter who I think this was maybe a tweet from like 2019 or 2020 where basically, I mean, obviously she didn't know this one was going to come back to haunt, but she said, Oh, um, one day my mom, like, I thought we were going to go somewhere, but my mom surprised me. Or maybe she like woke her up or something and was like, hey, get up. We're going to go. Drove her to like, I think one of the Carolinas or something, Nashville or somewhere. The details doesn't matter. The point is she took a then minor aged uh, Brielle across state lines to have her sit in the parking lot for hours outside of a casino so Kim could get to gambling in the middle of the night. She couldn't go in there because, again, she was a minor, not 21, wasn't old enough, so she was just stuck in that parking lot with nothing to do while her mom frittered their dollars away. Um, Their don't-be-tardy dollars (laughs) at the slot machine. So I think, really, my if I'm allowed to, like, you know, put a theory on this, I think Kim was like, "Uh uh-oh. It's not looking good for me. It's not looking great. The only thing that I can really say about this man is that he smokes weed. So I don't really know how to navigate this. Maybe I should um put some tight jeans on, go downstairs and see what I can do about this. So I think that's what happened. Apparently they have been um, getting along lately. They've always had a strong core and... We're now supposed to believe that these people have always been in love. Okay, well, what the fuck happened? Why did, like, two weeks before or something, June, sometime in June, Croy calls 911 trying to file kidnapping charges because uh, KJ, or one of them, went to a rodeo with a family friend and I guess he, like, didn't... (laughs) He didn't approve of this outing, and then Kim calls 911, and she's like, oh, my husband is claiming that I'm um trying to kidnap, or my friend's trying to kidnap our kid, but she's not, and then the <laughs> 911, I encourage you guys to uh, actually listen to that 911 call, because the dispatcher's like, okay, and so... Why are you calling 911 for this? (laughs) Like it just seems like you wanna just like unload this information. Not really a reason to call 911 to say that somebody else is accusing you of kidnapping. But anyway, um, yeah, after that, they were spotted going to church collectively like a week ago. Okay. Oh, like the paparazzi just happened to be in suburban Georgia on a Sunday outside of church. Waiting for the beer mints. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So they were spotted going to church, and I just let out a little chuckle. And then we find out that, yeah, Kim has officially dismissed her filing for divorce. So, okay. I mean, listen. Here's my thing. I mean, we can say, yeah, it's cheaper to keep her. I mean, but honestly, both of them could be saying that. It's a little 50-50 for me. If I'm being honest, if we're looking down the barrel of those finances, I think it might be cheaper to keep each other. It might just be uh, better to keep a united front. That, I, that's what I'm thinking. Um, and also, it's like, at this point, I feel like Kim and Cory were kind of made for each other. You know what I mean? Like The relationship that they had, at least the one that we saw on television, was just very much like... Um, you know, the Destiny's Child cater to you video, but like the opposite, where you know, Croy is making sure that she's got her eyeliner, and then making sure that it's like, separated from his eyeliner, t- so that they don't get to tussling again, like, you know, that just seemed like their vibe, like he's always waiting in the parking lot waiting for her to like, film a little role, and then, you know, open the door for her, you know, and God bless them you know, like, if y'all like it, I love it but it just seems like This was the lid for that very expensive pot with a red Solo cup on the side filled with Pinot Grigio. Like, where else are you guys going to go? Just stick together. Just stick together. Y'all sold enough stories to Us Weekly to keep your house, allegedly. I think, in my opinion. And so now we're just going to, you know, just keep it tight. And then, you know, Kim's probably gonna stay very humble. You know, please don't ask her to go to watch what happens live. Is she on the schedule? Because you know they just bought that wig. Make sure she doesn't steal it back. Make sure you guys bolt it down to that wig stand so she doesn't try to steal it. Okay? Um, or, you know, I, I feel there's... Kim's got something. And I also think Kim feels very strongly that she is a big contender to put on a mic pack for next season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. So... We'll see. She could have held out for like a couple more months. Maybe she could have landed herself an ultimate girls trip, you know? Because you know she's not going to go anywhere without him. She's not going to get on a plane without him. International? No. Who's going to carry that luggage upstairs? She really should have thought about that. So anyway, moving on. The next two people we're talking about are regrettably men. Starting with Kiki Palmer's, um, seems to be now, thankfully, ex-boyfriend, um, father to her child, Darius, (sighs) he had the nerve. Kiki Palmer, in all of her glory, looking thicker than a snicker, in a gorgeous outfit with, like, mesh, right? Tulle. Stretch, sheer tulle, right? This Givenchy dress, black... It's giving, right? It happens to show the yeeks, and God bless her for it. She looks the fuck good, okay? She goes to an Usher concert, as everybody's been doing, and, you know, she happens to be the girl of the night who dances with Usher while he's singing. There goes, there goes my baby. You know, a classic. Okay? And the video's so cute and, you know, like, we know what it is. Those of us who have been, like, sort of privy to the Usher concerts, this is what he does every night and it's just, like, whatever. Like, every artist does this usually, like, bring the bring an audience member up and, like, have a little moment, right? And usually that person's a celebrity. Nothing out of the ordinary you would think. Except for Darius's old dumbass had to get on Twitter and, um, quote tweet this thing and it goes it's an outfit though you a mom huh absolutely not <clears throat> now mind you the night before at like 3.30 in the morning Kiki had regrettably tweeted like I love my man my man my man my cry, man cry face emojis and I had a feeling if we had to roll that tape back, he probably said something to her right then and she was like fighting to be like, no, but I love you. And then she tweeted that to be like, that was the warning shot that this man was pissed, in my mind. Because why did, several hours later, this man tweet all that? Why did you do that, Darius? And then I saw a lot of people being like, oh no, they're joking. That's how they go back and forth with each other. Like, y'all are making too big of a deal out of this. He'll straighten this out. Like, it's no big deal. You guys are just causing drama. No. No. After that, he tweeted, we live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother to his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others, and he gets told how much of a hater he is. This is my family and my representation. I have standards and morals to what I believe. I rest my case. Nope, case, wide the fuck open. Because um, a lot of people had several questions. Like, first of all, who are you, Darius? Secondly, what do your pockets look like? What do your pockets look like uh, compared to the lady who you had a child with who's got, um, nope money. She's got Jordan Peele money. She's got Disney money. True Jackson? Ever heard of that? What are your pockets looking like in comparison? You want to talk about being the man, the household, and all your traditional values that need to be upheld. Are you guys married? Have you proposed to this woman that you had a child with? And are you the breadwinner? No? Sounds like the answers to both of those are Nope which is also the title of one of her hit movies from the past year, probably made more money in its first week than you ever have in your goddamn life. So, good job, dummy. Whose home were you tweeting that from? Whose Wi-Fi were you using on some bullshit? Because I know she probably didn't move into that one bedroom that you were living in. Sure, that didn't happen. I think you probably moved on up, didn't you, George Jefferson? And then when he was tired of getting his ass handed to him all the way from New York to Timbuktu, he deactivated his social media, but then tried to come back like, oh, y'all thought, y'all thought, no, we knew because you deactivated it. That's how that works. Not like you tricked us. You did it. And then you came back. And then a hero came along in the form of none other than Kiki Palmer herself, who went right on to Instagram and posted a bunch of pictures of herself in the outfit said I wish I had taken more pictures but we were running late and you know what that's how you clear a bitch even his brother who played Dro on Insecure if you guys remember (laughs) Sharonis Jackson is his name even he had to catch a stray and he had to address and be like um I'm not in this excuse me you guys don't have to call me a slut because of what you saw on television (laughs) excuse me I haven't even been having sex so why am I in it leave me alone (laughs) and that man is um allegedly ran through so you know for him to speak up it, it was bad it was real bad for him so basically uh, kiki if you guys are interested in selling uh merch that says i'm a mother and i'm um, stevie Wonder to the bullshit love that and darius has come back on again to and deleted all pictures of uh Kiki, they have unfollowed each other, and which I say, amen. Why would you deserve the engagement of her on your Instagram, sir? You don't deserve that. So yeah, delete all of them. Delete all that shit. And this leads me to the Jonah Hill of it all, okay? Um, there is a woman named Sarah Brady who used to date Jonah, I believe, for about a year in 2021. Jonah has a new partner. Brand new baby, etc. I'll keep this in the context. Now I will say, and this will be my only critique of Sarah. I'm not really sure why this information came out today. I, I'm not sure. But let's let's talk about it. Right, this is the ex-girlfriend of Jonah Hill. She is a, I believe, professional surfer. Pretty cute girl. Let's keep his context. He, I think Jonah is like a pretty you know, surfer in the way that like Lil Wayne is a skateboarder, like very interested. I don't know how good he is, but like very much in the community. Right. Or so he thinks. enough to meet chicks who are professional surfers. And so I say all this to say that we have to set up, he was privy to her social media behavior, knew her profession I think it is completely understandable that if you're somebody who works in um, the water sports arena, that there are probably going to be a lot of pictures of you in bathing suits or whatever, you know, just sort of comes with the territory because that's what you wear, right? So anyway, Sarah went on her Instagram story and... Caption is "Fuck it' and it's a screenshot of text from Jonah Hill, starting with one from December second of two thousand twenty one saying, plain and simple, if you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, to model to post she's a model, a professional model, how she makes money, also surfing, right? Um, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures. Friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past, beyond getting a lunch or coffee date or something respectful. If you need these things, I am not the right partner for you. Things bring, if these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for a romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the ways uh, these actions have hurt our trust. And then she says at the bottom of that, that see, you, see the misuse of the term boundaries. And then after that, he went through her Instagram and sent screenshots of her again surfing in a one piece bathing suit. And um, in these pictures, like after these, he goes, Respect, however you want to live your life, you only get one. Sort of done explaining myself. And these, I guess, were examples of pictures that he wanted her to take down. And she responded, I've removed three of them. Three have been removed, not the video yet. It's my best surfing video. Would you feel better if the cover frame was different? Any more specific ones that bother you? He said, yeah, the one that isn't of your ass in a thong. She says, not a thong, but okay. And he responds, I'm done. There's tons. I'm just going back the past month. And then she posts another screenshot from July of 2021. And it says, um yeah, it's like kind of unbelievable that a man who would send me shit like this. And in the screenshot, he is responding to a picture or a video maybe of her surfing with a heart eye emojis. And she responds, how you doing? And he says, good, I want to see you. So she says, it's kind of unbelievable that a man who sent me shit like this would then be upset that I didn't read his mind and take down pictures of that once I was in a relationship with him. Then she posts more screenshots where he says, you're right. We can't do serve for social things or develop trust until you consider me and make decisions that give regard to our relationship. I've been vulnerable as possible. And I'm telling you, I'm needing you to step up to the plate, which you can, I'm sure of it, but these losers don't get your time. If you want me straight up, it's consideration. I respect your love of surfing, but I respect myself as well. And your love of surfing and being in those situations and lack of awareness are not mutually exclusive. This isn't me. I have my own issues that I own. If you want marriage and family, you can't use the 25 card. Now, he's 39 at this point. Let's keep it up at this point. Um, step up and cut that shit. These people don't get your time or your kindness or at the sacrifice of mine. Now, the interesting thing to me is the people's... in general, what I'm seeing on social media is the people's response to what Darius said versus what Jonah said to his girlfriend, right? Because to me, it's sounding like Uh, two sides of the same coin but the only thing that's missing is that one was using fuckboy language and one was using therapy language and the one jonah who was using therapy speak about the boundaries and this is what i need and just using like speaking very like eloquently or whatever is um what is really tripping a lot of people up because i think a lot of people well i have seen a lot of people say well he's being respectful so what's the problem like here we go. Like, here's an example of a man being nice, and you know, you bitches are just being so crazy, and it's like you guys are screaming abuse. And this is why I said, I believe I said this too, maybe Laura, we were talking about um, Vanderpump rules that you have to meet somebody where they're at. You have to meet a baddie where she's at. You cannot be like oh my god this part of you I find so attractive and I love that for me but until you know I'm in a relationship with you and now I need you to be a different person what he's saying is not like these are my boundaries what he's saying is these are my rules I now need you to be a completely different person than the person that I was attracted to in the beginning that is unfair you can't tell her Um, your streams of income modeling surfing whatever I'm not sure honestly if she does surfing professionally but obviously it is a very big hobby for her because they met through that world seemingly Um, that she can't like you can't tell somebody that the ways they make money are no longer acceptable And that there's somehow um, a respectability to that, that she's somehow lowering herself because of it, that these are my boundaries. And if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my boundaries. And that's not how it works. Like then don't be with her. If you have all these rules, if you don't like that, she posts pictures on Instagram that you find suggestive, then I would suggest maybe not um, sending a heart eye emoji you can't tell you can't like like somebody who for who they are and then tell them they have to be a completely different person that's wild she showed an example of a clothed picture of her that he found unacceptable and she's wearing a crop top and shorts like it's crazy there are children who walk around in less clothes than that This is just, like, a continuation of this, like, capital N, capital G as I call it, nice guy trope where you think that they're so kind and that they've gone to therapy and so that they're so evolved but it's not they just use what they the tools that they've gotten to manipulate you further and you feel more guilty because they're using these five dollar words and you think that they're like oh my god they get it because they go to therapy every week or whatever and you know they do ayahuasca sometimes and that's how they get you that's how they get you they've evolved ladies and we got to evolve and catch this with them. Both of these men are so threatened and it's so obvious. Like, do you think for a second the Darius would have gotten on Beyonce's Twitter or Elon Musk's Twitter, excuse me, and said anything if Usher had not gotten her up and danced with him? Not a second. He would never have said anything. He was threatened by the presence of a man more powerful than him. And it's probably Jonah who sees like probably like actually hot surfer dudes and is like, I don't want them being exposed to my hot girlfriend. And so I'm going to make her feel bad and be like, oh, if you want to be a wife and a mother someday, I'm going to tell this 25 year old woman that if she wants to be a wife and a mother, I'm going to go through her Instagram posts and tell her which ones are unacceptable to me, to me, I'm going to what throw this treat perhaps of like this brass ring of maybe you'll get to marry me okay cool (laughs) to me this was just like a conversation of like covert which is what darius did like he put her on blast on twitter and oh excuse me i did that wrong (laughs) overt behavior which is what darius did putting her on blast on twitter on a public platform right versus like covert of this guy jonah you know texting his girl this like manipulative bullshit that's really the only difference i think people think like oh he's not yelling he's using these therapized words so it's okay what he's doing is not abusive and she's just being a bitch that's not the case i I think like people just feel like if he's not yelling if he's not doing things that we're taught are like overtly abusive then it's acceptable behavior but what he's doing and he's thriving in this covert bullshit and that's absolutely true um and because of that, the receipts are being pulled out on Jonah. Because here's my thing. There's been a bit of, like, a um, jonah if you will, where people are like, oh, my God, he's, like, the king of New York. Look at him with all these outfits. And, you know, he's, like, lost a bunch of weight. Look at him. He's so awesome. And he's so evolved. And, like, you just see him getting iced coffee in Soho. And, like, oh, my God, look at him, right? Uh, king of downtown. But I was, was like, is everybody... Were people not hearing what I heard? Because I heard this man was like a stone cold asshole. <laughs> and I was grateful to have that confirmation um, in the form of many receipts of uh, people talking about it, like his beef with Jay Barrakel during that This Is The End or whatever that like movie that they did with all the boys. You know the one. Uh, the disaster movie. Um, about him oh there was a guy on tiktok who said that he had done a tiktok previously about how years ago jonah had stolen his iced coffee at some cafe and he had posted the video about it and he claims this man claims that he got a random phone call claiming to be like jonah's uh, somebody in jonah's camp or something and it was like hey jonah saw your video and and he wants you to take it down. And the guy was like, cool. He owes me $4.50 and I will take it down after that. <laughs> and he said he had not heard from him them since then. Um, but then there were also stories of, um oh, I can't remember. But just like general stories that I had heard about him being like, not that nice. So I'm not like terribly shocked by this. It, he also has the energy of a guy who like lost weight and is in like, fuck you guys. Like fat people suck. Why can't you guys just get up off your couches and get motivated like me? You know, like he just has that vibe to me. So anyway, Oh, this is the other thing that I had heard that, um, back in 2018 when, uh, Mr. West had been donning that MAGA hat and supporting Donald that, uh, he had released one of his albums around that time, and I guess Jonah had gone out to his Wyoming ranch. And I guess uh, Jonah had gone on, maybe Jimmy Fallon, to talk about how his sister, Beanie Feldstein, had not spoken to him for a week once she found out that he went out to that ranch because she was like bro what the fuck are you doing like that's I don't I don't stand for that and he was basically just like well whatever like I don't cancel people like I give people a chance like uh, whatever like oh my sister she's mad at me who cares very passive very weird Uh, Beanie shout out to Beanie the point is shout out to Beanie (laughs) you know justice for Beanie Feldstein justice for Kiki Palmer justice for me for reasons unknown anyway thank you guys let's talk about and just like that okay we're gonna lift and squeeze the sphincter
1: but remember it's not your butthole you're not trying to hold in a fart
0: because I already know how to do that
1: Yes. so remember what he said think of your penis like an elephant's trunk slurping from the river okay slurp it up oh baby come on now slurp let's see it yes ma'am slurp
0: slurp you call that a slurp now let's get into episode four of and just like that an episode that i think was largely panned as least at least as far as my timeline went but i was having fun so let's get into it right Carrie's book is officially out. We find this out because she has lunch with Jackie, Bobby Lee's character, who then has some sort of gastric distress over hollandaise sauce. I don't know. We never see that man again. This is a vehicle for us to be reintroduced to Enid, who was Candace Bergen's Anna Wintour kind of character that they did in like season five when Carrie worked for Vogue and got like, weirdly emotionally, like, abused by that man who had, like, thought that she had daddy issues and thought that, like, he was gonna fuck them out of her or something. I don't know. But anyway, she, Enid, tries to sneak out of the restaurant unnoticed, right? But Carrie catches her, and it's just, like, awkward from the beginning. Enid first says, look, I was trying to avoid you because I know you just lost big. I never reached out afterwards, but... I think you've probably heard, I've had my own death. And when Carrie's like, oh my God, who did you lose? She's like, me, I lost me because she got fired from Condé Nast or whatever. But she's got this wildly popular Rivals Goop newsletter called Ask Enid. And then she finds out, um, or we find out rather that Carrie reached out to her to put a little, you know, positive blurb at the back of her book cover Enid never hit her back up about that, but she's like, Carrie's like, hey, you know, you got that newsletter. Maybe you could mention my book in there. That would be really, really helpful. But Enid's like, well, if I did that for you, I'd have to do that for everybody. And Carrie's like, okay, bet. But I'm launching this online magazine focused on women our age, Carrie, our age. And I'd love it if you could get involved because we're the same age, right? Even though I'm 20 years older than you. And, oh, oh, my boyfriend's calling. You'll hear more about that later. Gotta go. Bye. Back to Charlotte's children's hour. The kids go off to camp, which actually leads Charlotte and Harry skipping down Madison Avenue to go fuck. Charlotte offers her tits up to Harry to come on them. Should I have offered a trigger warning or like a content warning? I put explicit on every episode. Get into it. Anyway, um, Charlotte's like, Harry, you can come on my tits. You know, I know it's not your birthday, but, you know, the kids are gone. So have at it. And when she goes to clean herself off with a Kleenex, she's like, "Uh, excuse me, I've had a couple storylines from sex in the city about men faking orgasms with me. So this is not the first time I know what I'm looking at or rather what I'm not looking at and what I'm not cleaning up off of my chest right now. What's good, Harry. Did you come or not? And he's like, no, I definitely, definitely did. This leads us to a classic sex in the city girls around the brunch table moment with Anthony where Charlotte's explaining what happened. Harry said, he felt the intensity he felt the moment right the prayers going up but no jizz no jizz and then carrie calls him Casper the friendly come, which wow miranda asks how did you figure this out right because isn't he just usually like blowing his load in you and then charlotte's like well it was a special occasion the kids were away you know we already discussed this right so Miranda says, actually, jizz-free sex sounds like an upgrade to me. And Carrie's like, oh, well, guess that should have been our first clue about you, huh? Haha. <laughs> because you're gay, remember? So then this gets into a conversation of, like, how do we feel about jizz? Carrie, you want to take the floor? How do you feel? Jizz. Jizz. Jizz is like an old friend. You know, I think I'd miss it if it were gone. Okay okay well does anybody care about my opinion about semen uh neutral i would say largely neutral is it an old friend would i miss it if it were gone i don't know i don't know (laughs) y'all here's a lesson in god's protection because i just went off for a good like 20 to 30 seconds in a series of absolutely vile and disgusting things thinking that i was recording like being funny or whatever but i wasn't and you know what I think I'm. I think that was the universe telling me something. <laughs> I think it was. So let's move on and talk about what was actually talked about on the show. Anthony feels like, in his opinion, as the man or as the person with the uh, penis in the room, right? And he thinks that the medical term is called dust balls. But he wouldn't know because he's like a milking machine, personally. Oh, yeah. um, Charlotte then says she's always been a fan. Always been a fan of the jizz. It's like a confetti or like a firework on the 4th of July and Miranda's like wow who knew you were a cum slut every now I will say like the one thing that I really not the one thing one of the things that we don't talk about are like truly enjoyable from Sex in the City is that Charlotte more than anybody would just like pop up with some random freak shit you'd be like oh okay and she'd just say it like nothing like yeah I eat ass what about it Carrie what are you gonna say <laughs> and I love that about her over in Brooklyn, it's like a divorcee's nightmare. Miranda's stuck, sleeping on the couch. She's being woken up by Steve, hitting the gym. What are those things? Boxing? What? I'm not even joking. What do you call those? A, a mat? <laughs> Boxing thing. I, you know the thing. I mean, you go, boop, 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 And people have to be real coordinated to do it. The boxer thing. He's doing that shirtless. And this felt like a little bit of a, um, you know, like a mea culpa for having to deal with the fact that like they decided to make Steve be this like completely unfuckable, can't fuck, no fucks, never fucked in his life, man. When we all know that that was not the truth, not canon to his character whatsoever. Honestly, that was the thing that I'm most upset about. They made Steve like like he was the most limp dick weirdo who just like had never seen a clit in his life and we just know that's not true we know that all over second the city he was just busting it wide open and if it wasn't with miranda it was with that girl who had the acrylic nails and the acrylic shoes and he was just like breaking backs all over you know what the west village we know that anyway um Carrie goes into a spiral with Seema because Enid suggested that they were in the same age range, but Seema's like, you know, they, they're just jealous. She wishes she was in our group. We're sophomores, not seniors. And I'm like, "Mm." I mean, isn't Carrie like in her late fifties at this point? I feel like you gotta be juniors, right? Like I wouldn't consider myself a freshman and I'm the difference between you and um, Enid and you're having a fucking conniption fit over that. So let's think about that. I think I might be veering a sophomore and y'all are juniors. Okay. Let's be real here. Carrie tries to justify still being young by saying that she's only on her second of her third book deal. And that she still has friends who call her dude. So <laughs> this is maybe where the episode took a lull for me. Seema tells her you need to negotiate. Don't think that just because she said no to uh, putting your book in that thing. Don't think, the is the first offer, right? It, things are still on the table. So I, go to that old lady event and wager that into a book plug, right? Carrie also keeps getting text messages from this old, old man, old man, crusty man, who named Marlon of all things. <laughs> An old white man named Marlon. Lisa and her husband are vibing now the kids are gone like I said they went off to camp with Charlotte and Harry's children and they're acting like oh my god now that these kids are gone we're conquering everything in the world we love each other we've got our shit together Uh, husband might be running for comptroller and sky's the limit right (laughs) did the writers of the show know that there's another political position other than comptroller because this is now the second comptroller position that we've had in the sex and the city universe first in one being um john can i pee pee on you in the shower at slattery remember that episode he was the comptroller that was his job well carrie's went around doing jackie o cosplay remember that honestly some of her best looks i'm not even gonna hate on her Back to dick talk with Harry and Charlotte. They go to the doctor and the doctor says, "Um, your pelvic floor is loose or whatever. Just sloppy, sloppy little dick you got over there, Harry. So you're going to have to tighten it. You're going to have to do kegels. And then this is how we all learn that men, or not all of us, some of us learn that men have to do kegels. Men have pelvic floors too, right? So in order to, because apparently, whew, this is going to make me pass out, his... <sighs> I don't even have a dick. And this makes me me queasy. His cum has been just going into his bladder and not coming out of his dick. And so in order to get it back and revert it right back to where it's natural state, he's got to do kegels and get that muscle tight. So this leads us to a um, moment in which Charlotte herself makes Harry get on the floor and also is wearing exercise gear to teach him how to do like, uh, you know, like, bridges and how to like tighten it and she describes it as um like slurp your dick up like an elephant's truck <laughs> and then she puts her, his finger on her vagina and squeezes so she could to- show him how tight she is because she does uh three sets of 10 every day so if she can do it, you can too okay get out there and be a big boy i really want to pass out at the idea of this <laughs> we gotta move on um uh, so Miranda Steve, and Stephen Brady go to family therapy right Brady tells them I'm good on my breakup y'all like it, it's been three weeks I'm good but what's with you two because you're both driving me crazy dad you're just like pounding the that boxing thing mom you're on the couch you're not happy you're not saying anything we both know that you're a loudmouthed complainer and you're acting like everything's fine even though I just told you that I don't want to go to college anymore So she's like, yeah, no, I'm actually fine. And they also decide that Steve's going to move back to the city. Cut to Carrie and uh, Miranda having this conversation where she's like, I'm not fine. Brady's not a self-motivator. Steve's acting like everything's sunshine and rainbows. And I can't say anything because I'm the one who blew the shit up in the first place. So, you know, that's where I am. They're also going to Chase's new apartment, which... I think for New Yorkers really made us chuckle when we found out that Che moved to Hudson Yards of all places. Ugh, of course she did. And sorry, they did. And that um, and that they were also like, oh, um, if my show gets picked up, I'm going to sell this out for, rent this out for more than I, what I pay. I'm part of the problem, huh? Ugh. Ew. Ew. Che is a landlord. Che Diaz had landlord energy and I could smell it on them. And I knew it. And that's why I didn't like them. That's, you know, among other things. That's why I didn't like them. JVS is a landlord. Or they want to be. They're giggling about it from their high-rise and Hudson Yards. So, okay, so if you guys don't know what Hudson Yards is, in, if you're not hip to it, don't think that you have to be. It's actually the worst. It is the worst. It is the worst part of the city. <laughs> it's like so whack. It is new bunch of high rises that all have like the amenities and the, this and the, that. And, um, they have this, uh, what was supposed to be this art piece that you could walk around like it, you know, like a, just like, I don't know, like, like a, like a parking garage, right? You just like spin around. In circles right until you get to the bottom but um, they found out that uh, things that people like to do on that is unalive themselves so they've had to shut that thing down like several times because it keeps happening over and over again and um, they don't know what to do with it because that thing is big large and expensive so I don't know what they're going to do and also it's just like so whack it's just like the most new money bougie like dick riding and i don't even think that the the um the house i don't i don't think that the um the apartments are selling that well over there so it's just like kind of a cesspool and just like it's it was just like a really bad idea and the other thing is that money that went to fund this could have gone to like obviously like much more underfunded level uh, parts of the city and they were just like oh no we want rich people to move here so we're just gonna build up this area and like push the poor people out even further and like gentrify the fuck out of this area and it flopped and it the fact that Che would live there is just like just perfect just nail on the head anyway Che's husband, Lyle, helped them move across the country, move their shit into this new apartment. So Lyle's still there. And they're setting us up for thinking, oh, maybe there's going to be chemistry between Lyle and Carrie. Carrie even dares to make a joke about, like, why do you have rings on every finger? As if this man is quite literally wearing pretty much the exact same outfit that Aiden was wearing when she met him. (laughs) That man was good for a piece of chunky turquoise. And I won't let you forget it, okay? gotta meet people where they're at um you think there's gonna be chemistry but then it's like no not really uh and lyle like everybody's having a little kiki carrie's like oh i'm only gonna be here for one drink but you know then it turns into we're drinking Che and lyle talking about how they got married in vegas how they had some person named janny who was their third and lyle's like i know what you're thinking carrie I know that you're thinking like oh here's this man he's a misogynist and he was the one who wanted to have a third and to open up the relationship but it was actually Che and they insisted on it and like I was just like well happy wife happy life right and then I Lyle talks about how Janie was the first person who pegged him and Carrie's like oh no I cannot believe I am still here. And then Miranda's like, yeah, you know, the first time I put a strap on on, I don't know how I felt. And Carrie, sex, author of Sex in the City, person who's built a career, we're led to believe talking and, and having open and frank conversations about sex for what, 40 years now? The thought of a man being pegged and her same sex loving friend uh, using a strap on is just a a bridge too far please take me to the king can't deal with it this shit is so annoying (laughs) I hate when they make Carrie like this because it's like it doesn't make any sense that she is so coquettish or like whatever about like girl open your mind up How many decades has it been since you tried to get, since Alanis Morissette tried to kiss you and you ran down the stairs? You couldn't stand the idea. Uh, She really has a problem with bisexual men or men performing bisexual acts or whatever. She really does. And she needs to really unpack that, Carrie. I'm getting sick of it. It's 2023. It just feels pretty unfair that she gets to wax, wax philosophical about jizz earlier in the episode but uh man can not get a little prostate massage rude this storyline really takes a turn so after carrie leaves there's we're led to believe they're still drinking right because we come back to them and lyle's now passed out on the bed the couch broke earlier so he can't really they can't really move him there so they're like okay we'll all just share this bed together and then this leads to Jay trying to give a uh, Miranda a little cheeky finger and I mean Miranda's like I haven't done this since college and trying to be quiet around my roommate y'all weren't doing any attempts to be quiet like no wonder he woke up trying to get some himself I would think the same so Che's giving Miranda a cheeky little finger and then here comes Lyle 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 Crocodile trying to get one in on Che and Miranda's like, well, my visceral reaction to this is no, but it's kind of hot. So let's just keep going with it. And, you know, they're doing it. Miranda's trying to, like, get in on the action while Che and Lyle are bumping boxers with each other. And uh, Miranda ends up getting a Charlie horse. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to, like, you know, just, like, pound on my uh, calf until it stops hurting, and I'll just sleep on this half couch. And then it turns into, like, a love moment, because Miranda's like, you know, you guys can keep going, but Shay comes out in the living room's like, but I missed you. And then they end up c- cuddling on that broken couch. And it's like, um, Lyle, why don't you offer to give up the bed, you fucking weirdo? <laughs> Be a gentleman! Lisa has the worst storyline. I don't even really want to talk about it, but basically... They're riding high on this, our two kids are gone, we're living footloose and fancy free. They have an anniversary party in which we find out that Herbert, her husband, didn't end up sending the paperless post, so nobody got invited except for Charlotte and um, this man that they ran into in the art world, So, and their awful mother-in-law and uh, her father, and basically like the mother-in-law and the father don't get along um charlotte ends up getting a job offer because the guy in the art world ended up remembering her from like 1997 or whatever (laughs) it was like hey why don't you come back to work but she's like no my kids need me more than ever but thank you what a compliment and basically that was it they end up getting into a fight um Herbert says that he does not want to be comptroller because it's going to be too much time taken away from the family. But then Lisa, because her dad is like, oh, you're just like a money shark who wants nothing but just like a love of money, uh, my son-in-law. She's like, oh, no, he is a good person. He wants to be comptroller. And so that's how Lisa um, is going to end up getting a divorce. And I'm calling it right now. <laughs> Lisa, ambiti- she girl bossed her husband into a comptroller position that's gonna take him right away from that family, and I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying this is what, what the storyline is gonna be. Also, this mother-in-law is just like absolutely loathsome. Like every every week with the respectability, the the old school mentality, the back in my day, I worked as a concert pianist, but then I came home to my family because I realized being a mother was more important and you're not doing that because you still have a job, weirdo. And like what do, why does she why does Lisa have to look good and feel bad every episode from this lady? Get over it. The episode ends with Carrie going to the old lady event. Bitsy Von Muffling happens to be there. Gloria Steinem's there. You know, all the names. All the names are there. (laughs) And Bitsy outs herself as the person who gave Marlon Carrie's phone number and Bitsy's like no I just felt like last time we saw you I saw you you felt bad I wanted to do whatever I could to make you feel better the best way to get over somebody is to get over somebody else and why not Marlon because he's the best sex I ever had since Bobby Uh, you know nobody could please me since Bobby Mr. Broadway loved his ladies and Carrie's like, you're really blowing my mind, Bitsy. I thought Bobby was gay, and Bitsy's like, yeah, yeah he was. That's why he tried so hard. You know me, I love a challenge. Clearly, I've unfinished business with my uh, father. But anyway, you need to get on Marlon quickly because we call Marlon a tripod. Okay, so good luck. Uh, Carrie tries to run away from her to the opposite side of the room while Gloria Steinem does a speech and. In- During the middle of the speech, Bitsy sends Carrie an unsolicited dick pic of Marlon's big old man cock and gives her a thumbs up from across the room. (laughs) Feels... We could get charges on Bitsy. Is this revenge porn? This feels like it is. It feels like it is. Um, Hooray, you guys, to wrap up Charlotte's storyline. Harry's sperm gets back to where... To the proper unloading area, okay? Charlotte jerks him off. Just gently jerks him off and whispers I love you in his ear over and over. Because that's what... Yeah. (laughs) Nothing gets a man hotter than a light jerk off and an I love you. (laughs) That's what they love. Um, but anyway, I'm sure some of them do, but you know, it just felt very like we don't have to make a romantic situation out of this. It's it's come diversion. Okay? Everybody clap, clap for clap for Harry's Come, it came back. Yay, 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 yay. Carrie runs into Glorious Denim at the end, tries to take a picture with her and Enid. But first, Carrie is like, I love you. And Gloria's like, yeah, we must be fighting for the same things. Uh, if, you know, I'm, you're an inspiration or whatever. And Carrie's like, absolutely. Back to that Cop Troller episode where Carrie admitted that she did wasn't even registered to vote, I think. So I don't know what you're talking about, girly pop. But what, anyway, um, they all take a picture together. And Edith's like, I want to go look through the pictures to get my final approval. And then when she scrolls a little too far. She's like, oh, why do you have my boyfriend's dick on your phone? It's giving, um, how to give away with murder. (laughs) Like, how do you, why is your, why is your body on a dead man's phone or whatever she said? Um, and she's like, what are you talking about? I was getting set up by this guy I don't know what to tell you so basically Carrie goes there and is like she first has the upper hand by being like oh um you know she finds out that Enid didn't want her to write for the blog, but actually wants her to donate $100,000 to get it up and running. And Carrie's like, well, if I gave you $100,000, I'd have to give everybody $100,000, you know? And Enid's like, oh, okay, yeah. And then she goes to see that, that dick on the phone and is like, oh, okay, so what about that $100,000? And Carrie's like, well, you got PayPal? And that's how Carrie got swindled out of a $100,000. <laughs> From an unsolicited dick pic of somebody she didn't even want that <laughs> doesn't even know. And she got swindled out of her dead husband's money. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You guys, that's the end of just Like That for this week. Uh, maybe it wasn't a good episode. <laughs> now that i think about it i still had fun so i'm gonna hold on to that memory love you guys thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking um yeah